Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Mail Right Podcast. It's episode 311. We're here with Dustin, and Dustin is, uh, as his website and his company says, he is a master of passive income. Uh, he is doing so, it looks like, mostly through real estate investing. John has queued up an amazing article that uh, he has stumbled across in the Wall Street Journal that he wants to talk about today. I'm going to let Dustin go ahead and introduce himself. And John, when it comes to your turn, why don't you uh, share with the audience what uh, what the article is? But Dustin, in your own words, share with our audience uh, who you are and what it is you do and what you're excited to talk to them about today. Yeah, so I am an investor. That's literally what I do. I buy properties and I buy and hold properties. I love holding on because I make passive income every single month. And so I appreciate you having me on the show. And I love being able to share with people that my life has literally been changed. I, now I have 30 plus properties. I literally don't work. I get to get on podcasts and talk to great people like you guys and just share that real estate investing and passive income in rental property is phenomenal. And that's what I do. And so I have 30 plus properties now. Now I literally don't need to work. I was able to become successfully unemployed because I worked my way out of a job having my business. Now, I got to quickly tell you one quick story about how I got over that hurdle to become an investor. Now, if you're watching this, you can see in the background, I have my four kids. Well, we have four kids. Now, I was working a corporate job, actually working for the county government in California. And as I was working there, my wife had kid after kid. I was working at great seniority. Everything's going great there. Then after our fourth kid was born, like literally, I go on paternity leave. That's where the dad stays home with the mom and gives time to you know bond with the baby, help with the mom and all the, all the other stuff. And then that's like a week or two. But then I get back to my regular job, my nine to five. I call it a J-O-B, a just over broke job. And with that just over broke job, we were living just over broke. And so I went back to work. And for a week, I'm working. And then on a Friday at about 3.30 in the afternoon, I get a call from my boss's, boss's, boss's secretary. She says, Dustin, would you please come to the boss's office? And I'm like, well, sure. And I hung up the phone. Then I paused for a second. I just a regular corporate job, a regular job, just sitting at a desk. I'm thinking, why would they be calling me at four or three thirty on a Friday afternoon? Like, I haven't been back long enough to do anything good. And I started. I sat there for a second. I said to myself, "Well, oh my goodness, there was some rumors." I remember remembering backwards about two or three months before I went on paternity leave. There was some rumors that the department was running out of money or was running low on funds. They might need to do layoffs. And I shook it off. I said, "No way. I have so many. I've been here fifteen years. There's no way I could get laid off. I have so much seniority." So I get up and I start walking down the hallway to my boss's office. Now, the hallway's not very long, but at every single step I take, it feels like the hallway gets longer and longer. And each step is like a lead brick of my feet moving. And I, it takes me a long time to get through the hallway, but eventually I do. I get to where my boss's office is. His door is closed. And his secretary, who called me, says, Dustin, would you please have a seat? And she's sheepishly grinning at me, trying to console me with her eyes because she knows everything that's going on. I know very, very little about what's going on. In fact, not, nothing, what's going on. And as I'm sitting there, I'm realizing that, my goodness, this could potentially be the time I get laid off. I've worked 15 years here. What is that? You know, all my career here, it's going to be taken away. But then I started realizing, what does that make me as a father? Am I a failure as a father, as a husband, if I can't provide for my family? So I'll quickly round up the story. He said, the door opens up to my boss's office. My hands already all clammy. My forehead's all sweaty. Out walks a lady, a, a coworker of mine, with a piece of paper in her hand. And she's noticeably 
distraught. She's noticeably upset. She's not necessarily crying, but you can absolutely tell her world has been rocked. And she passes by me and my boss says, Dustin, would you please come into the office? And I walk into the office and he says, we are run, like the department is, is low on funds. We need to lay you off. And so remember, this is the county government. This is the government. Nobody gets fired or laid off from the government. So I take my layoff notice and I walk back to my desk and I sit there and I realize two things. And I'll finish out the story by sharing these two things that really helped me to get that transition to become an investor. That's why I started with I am an investor. And this is why I tell all my students and everybody. I realized two things. Number one, I need to get another job because I need to pay for the food for my family, the roof over our heads. So I was really blessed to find another job in the same department, which was really, really good. Just transferred, or sorry, same county, but different department, the, the sheriff's department. So I was doing IT work there. So that was really good. I was really blessed to be able to provide for my family. The second thing uh, that I want everybody to listen to this is saying, is realizing that your value that you have for yourself is worth so much more than anybody could ever pay you. So that point forward, I said, now I'm going to call myself an investor. It may so happen that 100% of my money comes from my, my job. That's now my side job. My full-time job is an investor. And I'll tell you the reason why everybody else needs to know this. Your boss is only paying you just enough to keep you working without quitting, but not so much that's going to take money out of their pocket that they don't want to give out. And so you can get paid so much more if you become an investor. And to finish out the story by if you remember that story of me walking down that hallway where my feet felt like lead bricks, fast forward three or four more years later, I became an investor. I went to my new boss's office, said, here's a pink slip for you. Basically, I'm giving you two weeks and I'm quitting. And that last walk, about a mile and a half walk to my car because I didn't want to pay for parking. I take that walk. I felt like I was walking on clouds because I would never need a job again because I invest in real estate. I don't work and I make money. And so that's why talking about the real estate market, all this, all my students are buying properties all over the country. I'm buying properties all over the country. I'd love to be able to share as much as I can to help everybody realize that number one, you can invest, but number two, you have to also be smart and invest wisely. Copy that. Oh, well, that was a hell of an introduction, Dustin. Okay, so- I'll give you full marks. That was the best <laughs> one we've had for a long while. Um, can I jump in, Robert? Yeah, John, I was, gonna, I was just going to hand it over to you, man. All right, thanks. So, Dustin, one of the reasons why, because we've got our audience are real estate agents, investors, a disparate, but everything around properties. But I thought I've watched a few of your videos and you seem very experienced and you seem an excellent communicator. The main reason I wanted you on the show is I've never known the property market be in such a confused, hyped, confused, it could go anywhere. The prices, some people say the prices are going to collapse nationwide when it comes to domestic property. Other people say that it's going to be regional. I'm more, I feel there's going to be declines, but it's going to be regional, city by city, region by city. And then there's other people that say inflation is just going to take off and you need to buy as much property as you can. And I I don't fully buy into that. I think it's too confusing where we are. Um, so what do you, to start, and then we've got all the factors around iBuyer, what Zillow, Redfin, what the hedge funds are doing. 
then you got Picasso around second homes. You've really got a a lot of stuff and a lot of confusion. How, where do you think the market's going in the next year? And secondly, how, how have you rationalised all these competing messages that seem to be conflicting with one another? Only a yeah, small so, question. Only a small question. <laughs> you, you've really gone back to your history of uh, short, concise questions, Sean. I commend you. Yeah, I have, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so there are so many variables right now in the real estate market. Now, I'm also one that I believe history is a good predictor of what is going to happen in the future. I remember back in 2006, people saying, you better buy now or you will never be able to afford a property. It's 2007, they said the same thing. 2000, beginning of 2008, they literally said the exact same thing that they're saying right now. You better buy now or you will never be able to afford a house ever again because it's going to skyrocket. Now, my history back then, it crashed. Obviously, we know in 2008, end of 2008, 2009, literally crashed. Not saying that's what's going to happen now. I'm just trying to relate my thought process. So as I see history, I thought, oh my goodness, if there is a crash, what's going to happen to the values of the home? Well, that's really, really going to hurt that. But what also is going to happen is rents are going to go up. Remember, I'm an investor. I invest in buy and hold properties. I hold on to properties for a very long time. I could literally give them to my kids. And so with that idea, I thought if values go down, I'm only investing for appreciation. I'm going to get really just taken to the cleaners. In fact, so many investors or people who call themselves investors, they say, I went bankrupt. I just went upside down, blah, 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 in 2009. They literally got destroyed. I didn't. I literally make money if the market goes up, down, or sideways because I make money in passive income. I make $250 or more from every single property. So that's the perspective that I have going into today. So what I'm seeing right now, historically, as we're seeing the run-up of prices, like in Arizona, I live in Phoenix, Arizona, prices have gone up 20 percent in the last year. That is stupid. That is just crazy. I can't believe that. That's just nuts. But at the same time, we don't know exactly exactly if it's going to crash or correct or anything. So here's what I do. This is what I'm thinking. So a couple, couple of things to answer your questions as well as see what I'm doing right now. Number one, I'm buying good deals. I'm buying deals all over the country. My students are buying deals all over the country that are making us a minimum of $250 a month, but we're not chasing appreciation. We're not hoping the value goes up. We don't care about appreciation. In fact, people say, well, don't you like, of course I like appreciation, but that's only when I sell the property. I'm literally going to give these properties to my kids and the rents. So some properties I bought in 2006 have literally doubled from when I first bought them. I still own them and they're going to keep going up plus some mortgages get paid off. So thinking about where we are now, think about if the whole macro idea of all real estate changing I personally believe, and, and um, uh, Jonathan, you said it really well. There were so many different variables going on. I mean, interest rates, you have inflation, you have just the 20% run-up. Like, there's going to be some sort of correction. In fact, we know that there is actually a correction every seven to eight years. There's always some sort of correction. But this has literally been 12-plus years since the last correction. So historically, I'm saying there probably will be a correction. I'm not saying that there's going to be a crash. If there is, though, I am ready to buy a lot of properties. Like, I'm really, really ready to buy a lot of properties. But when I hear somebody that is living, I'll give you an example. I have a cousin 
who lives in Pocatello, Idaho. Pocatello, Idaho, which nobody is moving there. He told me like, I don't know, six months ago, man, you better buy here if you want to move here because everybody's buying. You better buy right now or you're never going to get a property. And my, my cousin is definitely not in real estate. If somebody who's 100% not in real estate and a place like that, they say, you better buy now. I know for me, this is what I'm doing. I'm not buying for appreciation or I'm not buying a personal residence because if there's a correction, I'm not making passive income. There goes my appreciation, quote unquote, my, the value of my house. But here's what we're doing though. Thinking about like regional. Absolutely. There's going to be regional corrections. There's going to be crashes like say Phoenix, 20% rise up in the last year. That's nuts. If there is a correction, it's going to be 20%, if not more, in my opinion, down. Because just like in 2009, when it did happen back then, some of the things going to happen. But if you look at other areas of the country that are relatively well-priced homes, which meaning lower price home, $100,000, $120,000, maybe in some like $60,000, $70,000 homes, if, those, if there's a correction overall, regionally, they're not going to get cut in half. Like if you buy a house in San Francisco, you're paying $2 million for the house. If it crashes, it's going to go down to a million. So 50% of that value is going to be gone. But if you buy a house that's let's say eighty thousand dollars, it might drop down to like sixty, seven, you know, maybe fifty thousand dollars. Shoot, even if it drops in half as well to forty thousand dollars, you know, half of that, you're still doing just fine because you have that passive income. So, you're thinking of all personally, I think there's going to be a correction sometime in the near future. So in the next year, so yes, I think there will be a correction. Just to, but do you do you think it's going to be a national correction? I think you're. I think your position is a bit different because you you seem to be indicating that you've honestly feel and you're just giving your judgment call that there's going to be a national correction. I absolutely think it'll be a national correction because what happens, okay, here's the, here's the mentality of, I've been talking to some realtors here in Phoenix where I live and they're telling me, you better buy now. It's just like I, like I already mentioned, you better buy now or you're never going to be able to buy again. And I said, well, what happens if there's some sort, something happens in the real estate market? Oh, well, hey, the people buying here, this is the realtors, they're, they're a little nearsighted. The people buying here, you know, they're selling their houses in California. They have cash. They're buying these houses for cash. So that's not going to be a mortgage they're going to have to worry about. And then I said, well, let's look at the people buying those houses in San Francisco. Do you think that they are getting a mortgage? Well, more than likely, they're not selling someplace in Idaho and being able to cash out in San Francisco. No, they're still selling their houses in San Francisco. So my big broad protection uh, projection for me and what I'm doing and what I'm telling my students is, number one, if there is some sort of correction, it's going to start where the values are just super, super inflated and people have mortgages. Now, it's right. not the subprime mortgages, the variable and all that sort of stuff. It's not like that. They're going to see, oh my goodness, there's so much inflation, as well as people aren't spending money. The velocity of money that's going to slow down dramatically because there are people are realizing, oh, what's going on with the economy? So it's going to start in San Francisco, New York, or the coastlines where prices are so much more inflated than everywhere else. From there, it'll ripple down to everywhere else. I'll give right. you an example. If somebody got a regular no, I, mortgage, we go ahead. Uh, I'm gonna we're gonna have to go for our break in a couple of minutes. Oh, got it. Uh, but I want to put this question, and then we, and then Robert will go, and hopefully Rob Robert's been very patient with me. Um, but I just want to put this question, and then you can answer it after we come from the break, Dustin. I agree with you, but I think one of the major variables is, and I, I want you to think, and then come back with your view on this, is that I feel that 
to some extent, not totally, but to some extent, the commercial real estate market is finished. And what I mean by that is that not read some extent retail because of Amazon and home, you know, home delivery, but the bedrock, which is offices. People are not going back to offices, Justin. They're not going to do it. They're not going to commute bloody two hours and two hours back. Anybody that's got any skill, got any value, they're going to say, sod that. I'm not going back to that after two years of working from home. They're just not going to do it. You know, they're... And I think a lot of these hedge funds and other institutions, which the bedrock of their investment is in commercial office space, let's be honest about it, the the writing's on the wall. So where where are they going to put all this money? Well, they're going to enter domestic property. They're going to buy people's homes. That, uh, that's why they're interested in it. So I'm just going to, I'll be interested to see what your reaction to what I've just said. Did you think I'm, I'm crazy? Back over to you, Robert. Okay, we're going to go to our break, ladies and gentlemen. After we come back from the break, Dustin will uh, queue up for John's question. So stay tuned. Hi there, folks. I just wanted to tell you about our major sponsor, and that's Castos. If you're looking to get into podcasting for yourself or for clients, you need a top quality podcasting platform. And that's what you get with Castos. It has a superb interface, really easy to use, and you're not penalized for success. They have a flat rate pricing structure. Don't matter how many podcasts you make, how many downloads you achieve, you'll just pray at one fixed rate with Castos. Plus there's support and just the quality of the people are just amazing. Also, for the WP Tonic Tribe, Castos is just offering an amazing deal. If you go to the WP Tonic website, backlink newsletter, you can get your first six months at half price. That's right, half price. That's only an exclusive offer to you, the tribe. Also, you'll be able to sign up for the WP Tonic weekly newsletter, which keeps you informed about all the stories and what's happening in the WP Tonic tribe. Please show your support for the show and support Castos. It's a fantastic platform. Welcome back to episode number 311. We're talking to Dustin and John in uh, his uh, John fashion has asked a multi, multi, multi part question and is following up on uh, this question with Dustin. So, Dustin, uh, we just queued up that question for you right before we went to the break. So I'm going to let you take it away. I definitely agree with you that it. The commercial market has t- dramatically changed. There are, I'm driving on the freeway in Phoenix and I'm looking at office buildings that are literally vacant, big office buildings that are five, six, maybe even 10 stories as we're driving by. I'm like, you can see literally straight through all the windows and see that there's nobody in there. So absolutely, I could definitely see the commercial market doing exactly what you said because COVID's really made sure that everybody realizes hey, my boss doesn't need me to be at the office. And then the companies are realizing, oh my goodness, we could save a lot of money if we don't have them in there. So 
yes, I do understand that, that the commercial market is going to have a lot of turmoil. Now, having that transfer into single family homes or let's say, you know, four units and below, which is a, still a single family home, but commercial uh, is five and above. I absolutely see that happening. Zillow is literally buying properties. You have BlackRock, which is out of China. They're buying properties. You're having uh, big companies that are saying, hey, we can actually make money in here. They, they would rather have big commercial because they make a lot more money. They get long-term tenants and things like that. But where they're going to go wherever the money is. So it definitely seems like that's actually going on right now. But how will that affect the collapse that you're predicting? So... The commercial market would also, well, it's going to take a long time for them to make that shift. I want to say a long time, maybe two or three, four years to make that shift. But in the long term, once the economy, so yes, buying houses is going to like, there's more people buying supply and demand values or prices go up, obviously. But we know that our interest rates have been so dramatically low here in America for so long that eventually they're going to start going back up, especially when all this inflation. With inflation comes higher interest rates. People only have, let's say, $1,800 a month they could spend either mortgage or rent. And so there it takes out lots of pool of buyers from there. Now, if you're having companies come in, of course, you can have more supply and demand. But once everybody realizes that the whole economy is dramatically changed, meaning inflation's crazy high, interest is crazy high, People are going to stop spending their money. They're going to start putting their money in a way, basically hold on, like hold on their money. I need this money for food, let alone investing or let alone anything else. So what happens, the velocity of money, money transferring from one person to another and buying goods and commodities, uh, that slows down, which makes the entire economy come to a halt. From my perspective, if a company goes from commercial to residential, yeah, of course, it's going to be grabbing up um, uh, a lot of different properties. But at the same time, if jobs start to hit, you know, they start to go down just like in uh, coronavirus, but also back in 2009, I remember lots and lots of layoffs. I remember lots of bad stuff if the economy does do what happened in the past. So it could, it could have an effect. I'm not seeing it yet personally, but I think before I throw it over to Robert, I think what you're saying, and I, I think because of commercial leases, you know, they can be 10, 15 years long, there's no ability to sign out of them, get out of them with a buy clause. So the, I think what you're saying is, yes, it's there, but it's going to take longer than you think, Jonathan, for the effect. So what you're talking about is going to happen before that really kicks in. Would that be a, a honest summary? I, I think so. I think I think there'll be more turmoil before that they actually fully jump in, even though Zillow has already jumped in, their other hedge funds have. But yeah, I think it would take a little time. But then I, mean, I could complete, be completely wrong and say, hey, they could literally be grabbing up all the single family. But here's the thing. There are lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of single family homes out there. So as far as investors, we just need to be patient and find the right deals and wait for those. Well, over to you, Robert. Okay. So, uh, Deb and John, thank you for this uh, conversation so far. I'm going to go in a completely different direction, much more traditional uh, real estate investing question for you here. So, prior to the show starting, Devin, you revealed that uh, prior to moving to Arizona, that for a while you had lived in California. You also indicated as we were queuing up for the show that uh, many of the deals that you're seeking are coming out of the Midwest, if I understood you correctly, which which was a very small, very short comment that was unfollowed up on. So it's possible that I did not actually understand you correctly. But uh, 
I have a couple questions because I'm in California. My bungalow that I live in is uh, started off at 380,000 when I first moved into it. Right now it's valued at over 800,000. Neighborhood hasn't changed. This hasn't been an extraordinarily long period of time. The home has just tripled in value in the last three years. And I don't know that I could buy it even if I wanted to. So regardless of financing or all the clever things that people say that that is possible, I, I just don't know that that uh, I could come up with uh, any kind of down payment. And I have an exceptionally good credit. So I'm curious to know, you've got like, you seem to be saying that a lot of investors are investing out of the state. So let's start there. Did I understand you correctly? 100%. In okay. fact, I lived in Fresno, California when I started investing in 2006. Prices were crazy high then too. Not nearly where they are now. It's literally doubled from when, from back then. But yeah, I invest in all over the country. And my students, I, I literally never fly anywhere. Out of the three, 30 plus properties I own, I don't fly anywhere anymore. Um, I used to, but now if I'm starting a whole brand new area, I don't even bother about it. I don't even go to the states that I invest in. Okay, so you're investing, you are investing out of state. You would agree Absolutely. there are, are definitely better places to invest in or maybe more doable places to invest in. It, it, I, that's what I'm getting. That's the subtext that I'm reading in that statement. Is that correct? For my business model of having passive income, absolutely. Like you can't invest in California. I say can't with a caveat. There probably are exceptions. But more than likely, you can't rent the property in that you're living in in California for anywhere near to pay for the mortgage if you had to buy it brand new, let alone make money in passive income. But there are lots of places all over the country that you can do that. Yeah, well, million dollar loan gets you like a mortgage of like $5,000 a month. Trying to rent this little bungalow out for anywhere in that neighborhood would be quite literally insane. When we moved in here, it was only a couple thousand per month. And I know friends of mine who are renting who are now paying Upwards of 25, 2800 for, for pretty regular, not very special two bedroom apartments. And it's starting to get to the point that even people with good incomes are getting priced out of LA. I'm talking to people who work in show business, not flip burgers or anything like that. These are people who make a lot of money who are getting priced right out of California. So I'm just curious to know. Are you willing to tell uh, our audience, can you give us a couple of examples of places that you might look at in order to get a better deal? I don't think, I don't feel like most parts of California are it. I would agree with you. That's why I moved out of California. It was just too expensive and just just rough for me. So I moved over to Arizona. Now to get to the location, I can definitely give you some good locations, especially where my students are buying. But before I do that, like it'd be like me giving you, if you've never driven before, you've never learned how to drive before, but I give you a keys to a Ferrari and I say, hey, go take a spin. Not good. So I'm going to give you a big, broad overview of how to do this right if you're going to invest in other states and other areas before I tell you exactly where it's at. So here's a big, broad overview. I'm really excited for that. I want to do that. That sounds like a big answer. And we are maybe one to two minutes away from going. We're about three to four minutes, Robert. I, I, it'll, it'll take me really short. I'll, okay. I'll, right. Yeah, I'll walk you over that. Okay. So the broad overview is we want to build the business first before we invest anywhere. A lot of people will tell you, find a property, make sure it cash flows, run the numbers. Then you find somebody to fix it up. Then you find somebody to manage the property. Then, then, then. We don't do that. We build the business first. And every property that we buy is a piece of inventory that we put into the business. Here's a city that has been going really, really well is uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Really, really well for a lot of my students. Um, Indianapolis, Indiana is another really, really good area of the country to invest. Now, 
those are two two cities that are really, really good. But there's all over the Midwest is really terrific. But here's the biggest thing. Like I said, if you go out and just buy a house because you run the numbers and it looks like it's going to make you passive income, in three years, you're going to say, hey, Dustin, take this property from me. I don't want it anymore. It's horrible because you didn't build the business first. So that's a big, broad overview. We build a business first, contractors, realtors, plumbers, roofers, property managers, all that stuff before we buy any properties. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So what you're really saying is do the groundwork before you buy something, which makes sense. I'm not, I'm not an actual expert in the real estate investment field, but I've got a lot of friends that invest in properties who've, who've taken this passive income and this, this concept um, and started to become investors and landlords and things like that. And many of them invested out of state. So I'm familiar with the strategy. Um, and I'm also familiar with the calls that they make and the vendors that they hire and, and all those other things. I take it that part of what you do is you give a template uh, as part of your courses. You have a template or either a way of hiring these resources, building this business. I'm assuming that that is part of what you teach. Literally every step of the way, if you don't have no business or real estate from the beginning to end, yes, 100. It's, here's the interesting thing. This isn't easy, but it's simple. If it was easy, everybody would do it, but it's simple. It's just literally a step-by-step process. Once you get all that done, you literally have a property making you money every single month. Got you. All right. Yeah, I am. Um, hopefully, Justin, you're, you're okay to stay on for another 15 minutes, which people can view the whole interview on um, you, uh, the Mailwright YouTube channel and on the Mailwright website. You're okay with that, are you, Justin? Sure. Because I, I, I really want to get into the into this. It's just been a great, I think, what do you reckon, Robert? It's been a bit different, but I think it's been a great conversation. What do you reckon, Robert? Uh, it's been, it's definitely a different take on what we usually do here on the show, but it's interesting. And uh, John, between the fact that uh, you're, you're angling a piece of your technology directly at the investment market and the fact that we don't, we don't have that many conversations with investors, I think it's been a wildly valuable uh, addition to. Well, uh, I also think you, you, you to, asked uh, to our real. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry, but I also think I also think to our real estate agent audience that what is you know the macro micro environment is of enormous in, interest to them, Robert. And we are in, like what Dustin remarked, we're in very confusing waters at the present moment. But having some clear understanding is going to save, hopefully, some of our listeners a hell of a lot of money, Robert. Happy that. All right. Well, listen, with no further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please join us for the extra special bonus content. We're going to continue our conversation with Dustin, who has been kind enough to agree to continue to talk to John and I about the state of the real estate market, about what he does to invest in the market, what he's personally doing to secure his future, his children's future. He obviously is very passionate about it, believes in it strongly. I have no doubt that he's going to share a lot of other great tips with us when we switch directly over to the YouTube channel. Now, you can find us at YouTube forward slash mail hyphen right. That's where you can find the extra bonus additional video content. Uh, I would love, Dustin, for you to share with our audience if, uh, if people would like to get in touch with you or, or learn more about you. How would they go about doing that? 
Yeah, I, I super appreciate that. So I have my own podcast where it's literally just me teaching how to invest in real estate called Master Passive Income. And hey, guys, I have a, a real estate investing course I love just giving away for free. Would you guys mind if I share that with them? Please go for it. Awesome. So if you go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course, or you can even text the word rental, R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777, rental to 33777. I'll give you my real estate investing course. It'll to show you find an area of the country to invest, how to make sure you're building a business first, making $250 a month and scaling your business. I'll give that all to you. But yeah, that's how you can find me, Master Passive Income on YouTube, podcasting and everything. Beautiful. All right, John. and. Uh... How would you like people to get in hold of, hold of you, brother? Well, if you're a real estate agent and you want to own your own website, and I suggest that if you're serious about being a successful real estate agent, you need your own website, go over. Because MailRight gives a cast-iron guarantee that if you um, want to move your website, we'll move it somewhere else free of charge. And if you're a property investor and you're looking for a specialised partner, so to help you with your digital marketing, go to MailRite. Beautiful. And uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Robert Newman. I focus on uh, something that's commonly referred to as search engine optimization. But uh, that just means that I understand Google and all its different elements like YouTube and the image library. If you'd like to learn about these things without being sold a product, just go over to inboundrem.com because... Uh, I give out most of my knowledge for free with no strings attached. So I'd love for everybody to learn more about SEO and you can do so at my website um, uh, in real estate specifically. All right. So with no further ado, we're going to go to the break for our last and final break and come back with the bonus material. 